I was just uh, counting it up a few minutes ago. Mm. I hurt myself with that. <laughs> 54 years ago, when I first came back to Tyler and started preaching at the Northwest Church, there was a young hotshot deacon named James Stanley that was there then. Of course, I'm saying that's 54 years ago, so we were both very young. Um, so we've known each other a long time, and so it's appropriate. As he came in this morning, I said, uh, I'm preaching today, and I really would appreciate it if you could manage to stay awake. <laughs> and he said, no, I'll probably have dozed off by then. <laughs> but, but, he said, sick him. <laughs> so, whatever you get this morning... Um, Gary has been preaching on the parables, and I'm staying in that same vein. Uh, this parable is found in Matthew chapter 18, and it is a rich one. So it's kind of long, but I'm going to read this whole thing. I want you to listen. Here's a story that Jesus tells. Uh, he always told stories. You use parables because... They were about things that they knew, about things that they had lived. It was in their lives. And so he brought these things in, and they're the, the physical story, the story of the things in the world, but they have a spiritual meaning. And that's what we want to, to talk about today. This one is told, Peter came and said to him, Lord... How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. <clears throat> I think Peter probably thought he was being very generous uh, to do that. Uh, <clears throat> and Jesus answered. So here's the reply, the story, the parable that, that, that flows out of the answer to that question. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times. Uh, 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. <clears throat> At this, the servant fell on his knees. Before him, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. Another version says compassion. Cancel the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. 
shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. to point out here is that this man, and by the way, in nearly every parable, let's say in every parable, you have to find out who you are. Because these, parent, these parables are about us and about our lives, and we're in every one of them. So you have to decide who you are. And I think you have to realize that you're the man who owes this outrageous debt. It's, it's, it's translated in little different ways. He owed a, a thousand talents. He owed uh, uh, tw- uh, ten bags, a hundred bags of gold or silver or whatever it is. What, they, what they're trying to do is get you to understand the enormity of this debt, which would be in today's like at least 10 million you owe me 10 million dollars I'd like to have it please most of us would be just like him and say I can't pay that I don't have 10 million dollars and the absurdity of the thing is when the man begged he said if you'll just give me time I'll pay it back that was ridiculous too he wasn't going to be able to do that this was a an amount that was impossible to pay back. A tremendous debt. And yet the man experienced, and I want to use that word, that's an important word for us today. He experienced forgiveness. He experienced compassion. Where's my slide? He experienced. experienced, There it is. He experienced compassion, He experienced forgiveness. He experienced grace. We don't use that word a whole lot, but to experience something means to live through it with all the senses, whatever it might be. To walk through that and it become part of your life. You, You walked through that. You did that. And this man experienced Forgiveness. He experienced compassion. He went from a hopeless state to having no debt at all. And what Jesus would have you understand from this parable is that with that experience comes expectation. You just experienced grace, forgiveness, mercy. There comes an expectation from God himself to that. You are now expected to show grace, forgiveness, and mercy to other people. 
I've thought about what should have happened. Let me tell you a little different version of the story. He falls down and the master forgives him and he gets up in a state of awe and wonder. He is stunned. That great, that enormous, impossible debt has been just taken away. He is now free, debt free. He owes nothing. It's been swept away. And so he walks out of there with a sense of awe and wonder and humility. Wow, look what just happened. Look what I have just experienced. And he's so touched and he's so moved that when he meets his fellow servant who owes him a much tinier manageable debt, actually, he says to himself in his heart, I have been forgiven so much. How could I not forgive him? Brother, go your way. No comparison. So full of joy and thanksgiving, and yet that didn't happen. And why didn't that happen? See, that's what's troubling. How come that didn't happen? Something about his heart was not touched and was not moved and was not changed. And that's what he, the Lord is talking to us about all the time, that he came not just to get us to do something different. And I think we've probably emphasized that a lot. It's really important what you do. Now you better do it and you better do it right and you better do it according to the scripture. But we haven't talked about as much, or at least during my time growing up, maybe it was me, but we didn't talk about He came to change your heart. He came to change who you are by letting you experience these things, these new things, these wonderful things, these magnificent things that come from God Himself, and to let you experience these and in that experience become changed. We know it's not enough just to do the right thing, to go through the motions. We know that, don't we? we I mean, you could read it in Matthew 6. The guy gives the, the alms, but he does it for the wrong reason. Jesus is saying, you know, your heart's got to be right here. I want you to become the kind of people who do this because your heart has been changed, your life has been touched by God Himself. And so you're moved because you have experienced this forgiveness. It's changed you. It's changed the very person that you are. And that is a very important principle that actually is found throughout Scripture, particularly in the New Testament. There's a great emphasis on that that what you experience must change you and allow you at the same time to pass that experience on to others. That's what we're talking about. 
Um, those who receive blessings are under expectation and obligation to bless others. As we are blessed, so must we bless. As you have received mercy and forgiveness, and that's what the master, when he calls him back in, he said, should you not? Shouldn't you? You just received grace and mercy and forgiveness. Shouldn't you? Isn't there an expectation? Isn't there an obligation for you then to pass that on? That's, that's the principle that's taught. And that's why John says, over in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. We have experienced the love of God. And we, we've said it so many times, we talk about it, we have a tendency to blow it off. I love going to the, the, to the village. I get to preach to a bunch of guys who, are, who, not, who haven't been walking with the Lord, some of them, most of them. And they're trying to get their lives back together. And to talk to them about the love of God and to get it across to them that God didn't just so love the world, because you know out there in the world, that's billions of people and you get lost in that crowd, but that God loves you, He treasures you, He values you, He's calling you, He has blessings for you. If you can get that across, that starts doing something to the person, to experience that love. And once or twice, a few times, people have said, I've never realized that before, that God loves me personally, even though he knows everything I've done, even though he knows what a mess I've made of things, even though he knows that there have been times that I have raised clenched fists before him and and denied him and said, I'm, I'm not going to do your will. I don't believe in it. I'm not going to. And yet, what a marvelous thing that is for that realization then to come upon you. God loves me. He treasures me. The cross was for me. That does something to you. You experience that love that enables you to love. We love because he first loved us. There's, the, there's that principle at work again. And you can take that through all the blessings. We have experienced grace. If you haven't figured it out yet, as I said before, I'm the guy with the big debt. You are the person with the big unpayable impossible debt. Paul does that so well over in Romans. He, he makes this argument where he, I used to have a teacher in college that said he skins us all from crown lock to bunion. He takes, away, he takes away all of our shields and all of our lies about ourselves and all of our phony ideas and he said, you 
are a sinner. There is none righteous, no, not one. He sweeps us all with the same brush. You have this incredible, unpayable debt that you can't pay. You can't sing enough songs. You can't say enough prayers. You can't give enough money. You can't do enough good deeds. You cannot pay this debt. Took me years to understand that. But when I did, it changed me. To realize Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for that to become, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should glory. I paint the picture sometime for, for those guys. Here's a guy comes up to the pearly gates and says, I demand to be let in. I was just kidding. <laughs> I demand to be let in. I have been better than most folks. I've done a lot of good deeds. There's a whole lot of people worse than me. So let me in. And I hope you understand how absurd that sounds. You come saying, I got nothing. I got nothing but the blood of Jesus to claim. Nothing but the cross on my side. Nothing but grace. See, salvation is a gift. And those who experience that, who, who get that, who, who then that becomes a part of their life, they, they own that. We can give grace to others. Because we know what that's all about. The acceptance that's there. The fact that, and don't you love how Burke always puts that in his prayer? Thank you for loving us just where we are. The reality that God is calling you closer I don't care where you are right now. He wants you to come closer. Say, why I'm close. Come closer. To the person who's way off out there, come closer. That's, that's the call. That's the invitation. Come, come closer. I have blessings for you. I want to love you. I want to shower you with, with grace and with love and with joy like you've never known before. Come on. Well, you know where I've been? Yes, I know where you've been. You've been in the pig pen. And I want you to come closer. I want you to come. That kind of acceptance. We who have been so accepted, does that not help us accept others? Oh, we as human beings like to draw lines. This is acceptable and this isn't and this is good and this is bad and I can't handle that and Oh, what if God did that to us? No, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you this. I'm giving you this. I'm letting you experience this. But I'm holding you accountable. Now I expect it. I expect it from you. He's given us truth. 
that lights the way. Truth about ourselves, truth about God, truth about the world, truth about sin. So can you not speak the truth? See where this leads? See, the blessing, the experience demands something of us. Compassion. It says that the master had compassion on him. Even though he realized he can't pay back that debt. It was, but because he was so pitiful, I think, he says, I'm willing to forgive you. So we walk around, though, with grudges and with anger. Well, yeah, but see, somebody hurt my feelings, really. So they owe you, what, a couple of bucks in comparison? And you can't forgive that. You've been forgiven millions, as it were, this heavy, impossible debt. You can't forgive. Well, he offended me. They, they hurt my feelings. I was wounded. Okay. Really? See, we get to experience all these things. And we have hope. We experience hope. Getting to live in this life in hope. That the best is yet to be. The best is coming. The Lord, as it's, it's Paul said, oh, don't even try to compare what's happening here to what is going to be there. It's going to be so wonderful. So we have that hope, regardless of what's happening here. Can we pass that on? Can that be a, a light in us? Can that be a, a joy in us? Shouldn't it be? How could we be a people fretting and worried and as one person said, running around with our hair on fire like a pagan. Uh, how could we be that? How could we do that? With the blessing comes the expectation. God has given us these things. And we are the most blessed on all the face of the earth. I love it when I say to somebody, how are you? And they say, blessed. Tells me something about you, about your heart, because we are. And so, in the words of the scripture that were read earlier, unto whom much is given, of him much is expected. I don't know about you, but I've been given a lot, an awful lot. I feel like there's a heavy responsibility on me. How about you? Let's pray together. Oh, Father, our God, you are good in the absolute perfect sense of that. 
good in ways that we cannot even comprehend. Your love overwhelms us. Your grace fills our hearts. The joy, the truth, all the good things come from you, and we, as your children, are most blessed above all people. Let that change our hearts so we seek to be conduits of all the blessings you give us, that they come to us and through us and pass on to others. Let us show the love. Let us show the grace. Let us show the compassion. Let us show the truth, the joy, the hope. So fill us. Bless us that we can bless others, that we can be a blessing in their lives in your name always pointing to you, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our King, from whom all good things come. We bless you, our Lord, our God. We bless you, Jesus, our Savior, and our King, as we pray in your name. Amen.